So this summer we are looking at a God who delivers. So this is the fifth book of the Psalms. The Psalms is broken up into five books to mimic the Torah, uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. I can't believe my brother and I were reflecting on that as he opened the sermon series with you guys two weeks ago and then continued it last week, that this is the fifth summer of Psalms that we've had together. It's very, very exciting. And you may be asking, well, if this is the fifth book, what are we going to do next summer? We're going to go back to book one, because the one thing that the, the book of Psalms does give us is 150 sermons. And so that is an exciting thing to be able to hopefully do all of those sermons together. But I didn't realize this when uh, Kenny and I were talking about which psalms he would have and which psalm I would start with after being gone for two weeks. This song is called an imprecatory psalm. Does anyone know what that is? For lunch and a conversation with Pastor Jim, what is an imprecatory psalm? It's not a hymn of praise. Uh, Reverend Bazine, you can't answer. He didn't hear it, so it's fine. Huh? Oh, a prayer of justice. Kind of. Kind of. You can get water. Okay? We're at the restaurant. You can have water. It's not a word we use in our everyday life. At least I hope it's not. If it is, I'm back in the office. We should probably sit down and talk. There's only about nine of them in the Bible. Because some of them are not in the Psalms. You're like, Pastor, that doesn't help us at all. Anybody? It is a song of vengeance. See how justice didn't quite get there? That's why you only got water? It's a psalm or a song of vengeance. That this is a moment in King David's life where he is praying, he is pleading for the other side to be destroyed. Now I want to I want to verbalize a scenario. Okay? You're in traffic. You're already late for your destination. Traffic's barely moving. How many of you on a scale of 1 to 10, you're Anger is at a six at this point. You are a bunch of liars. You're already late, I said. And there's traffic. No, well, they, they all are. Yeah. That's what happens when you sit in the front. Okay? And you're going, right? Stop and go, stop and go. And then you finally get a lane, right? And someone cuts you off. Almost wrecks your car. Where's your anger at now? 10, 15. These song, these, I don't know if any of us, even at 10s, would say the kind of things that David's about to say. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but has any of you ever been cut off? Your anger's at 10, and you've yelled out to that person. I hope you don't. You have no more generations in your family. It's 
Some of you are laughing really oddly, which tells me that maybe you've said that. Yeah, okay. How many of you, maybe when you've been cut off, you know, has said, I hope the holy God smites you forever. Not so much laughing there. I think some of you have said it. I've thought it. Maybe, maybe I've said it. These are the kind of things that David is crying out. And the hard thing to justify is that we're called to live lives like David. So in some weird way, these feelings are okay. Now, I don't know about you, but that, that makes me uncomfortable. That it's okay to cry out for an entire bloodline to be dissolved? Yes and no. So let's dive in. Now that you might be intrigued or terrified, let's dive in. We're going to be in the first five verses to start. We'll be in Psalm 109, where David writes, Be not silent, O God of my praise, for wicked and deceitful mouths are opened against me, speaking against me with lying tongues. They encircle me with words of hate and attack me without cause. In return, my love, in return for my love, they accuse me, but I give myself to prayer. So they reward me evil for good and hatred for my love. April, is that all of that? Okay. So that's how it starts. So now we get a little bit of context, right? Oh. So maybe David's feeling some things. David's having a moment. David is receiving Criticism, undue criticism. David's being accused, right? When we live our life and someone falsely accuses, notice how the word falsely has to be in there. Because if someone accuses you of something and you've done it, you don't get to feel this way. Pastor, don't come back and tell me how to feel. I didn't. The the Bible does. This is a falsely accused David. People are lying about him, starting rumors about him. I'm sure that if social media was going on in the day, there would be posts, things tagged about him because of his leadership, because of the things he's trying to do in Israel. Let's call a spade a spade this morning. David's endured a lot. David was almost killed a a couple times by King Saul, right? David fell, right? He, he, He commits adultery and murder. He gets punked out by the prophet Nathan. He has not the easiest life, though a lot of things go right for David, and Israel is kind of reunited under him. He's been given victory after victory. You gotta remember, he started as a, Shepherd kills Goliath. God's been on his side. If I had to guess, David had some pretty thick skin. And again, this is not by my uh, clever planning that we're doing an imprecatory psalm on Father's Day. Normally on days like this, we should do a Father's Day sermon. But the last five years, that's not how we roll at Munster Church. 
we're going to go through a book, we're going to go through the book regardless of the day. But I think there is a tie here to dads. I think there's a tie here to men. I think there's a tie here to grandpas, spiritual fathers, mentors, that the world kind of assumes that we should have thick skin. I think in some ways they're right. Especially as believers, right, we sh- it should take a while for us to be offended. That might be news to you. You might be offended that I just said that. But as believers, men and women, it should take a while for us to get offended. Because if we shoot from the hip, if we immediately, someone says something, we're on, we're on, this is, must be Facebook, you know, because it doesn't, that's a, more than 180 characters. You know, like, like, if we immediately react like that, then we're showing immaturity in our faith. Because if people say things about you and you immediately get offended, then you're insecure. And your security should be in Christ. You should be wading through the filter of, that's not how my loved ones see me. That's not how my church sees me. But most importantly, that's not how God sees me. So your words fall short. Yet we give them life. When all of a sudden we're like, oh. That's exactly what David had to go through. It took a lot for David to pray these psalms. David is attributed with about 85% of the psalms. So someone do the math. 85% of 150. Go, Dan. 130, okay? And minus 9, I could probably, 121. Got it, yes, ish. Out of 130 psalms, 9 are, well, actually, no, because there's, two of them are not in the psalms, so 7. So 100, out of 130 psalms, 123 of them are not this. At some point, it got beyond that filter for David. At some point, it got to his soul. Now, you may be sitting here this morning having your soul hurt by others. Possibly having your soul hurt by Christians. Having your soul hurt by the church. Maybe you perceive that God is hurt soul. It's a whole nother sermon series we'll probably get to, but I would love to have a cup of coffee and you don't even have to answer a question because that's a separate kind of hurt. But this is what we're talking about today. That people who once loved David has now penetrated his soul. Again, that's, that's more than just a quick glance. That's, that's more than just a little shot. Maybe even a post or an email. This goes beyond being offended. This goes beyond being hurt. This goes to being crushed. And what I love about King David, and something we should draw from King David, is he owned his emotions. He didn't put a, he didn't put a face on it. No, I'm fine. Paint the smile on, though you're, you're devastated behind it. We're good at that. In 2023, especially with online, our life online can be perfect and can be a train wreck behind the scenes. But David turns 
He is under attack by people. He's being lied about, falsely accused. But everything that King David does, there's always a remnant. Does anyone have a definition of a remnant? What is a remnant? A what? A scrap. I love it. Someone else? A remaining piece. So you've taken the scrap. You've added God to it. Good job, you two working together from across the aisle. Right? Give air a high five. The remnant in the Bible is God. God all, or David always gives, gives the remnant of God, even in his pain, even in his most devastating defeats. Verses 4 and 5. In return for my love, they accuse me, but I give myself to prayer. So they reward me evil for good and hatred for my love. Friends, this is more than just someone looking you and dogging you for some kind of ability. This cuts way deeper. This cuts through character. This cuts through integrity. This cuts through all of it. But what does he say in verse 4? But I give myself in prayer. I, but I give myself to prayer. There's this understanding when these kind of things come. If lashing out is your first response, then you are immature in your faith. That when these kind of things come, rally the people that love you, not to become a gang, right? We're not doing that. But we go to God in prayer. But we don't like to do that. We like to retaliate, right? We like to retaliate. We like to, we like to knock down the other person. And if we're going to match hurt for hurt, this kind of hurt, we're not going to hurt them. We're going to annihilate them. It's going to be checkmate. That's exactly what Satan wants to do. And don't we see that today? Don't we see kind of this Hammurabi's code, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth mentality in politics, in culture, in our world today? Oh, they did this, so I'm going to do that. Oh, they did this, I'm going to meet them. That's not the way of the cross. And we can say that because that, that's not the way of David. David is in the line, or Jesus is in the line of David. The Davidic line, the, the line of the cross, is not vindication by ourselves. It's vindication to the Lord. And now it gets graphic. And I understand we have to reconcile this today because of its graphicness. Let's go to verse 6. Appoint a wicked man against him. Let an accuser stand at his right hand. When he is tired, let him come forth guilty. Let his prayer be counted as sin. Oof. May his days be few. May another take his office. May his children be fatherless and his wife a widow. May his children wander about and beg, seeking food far from the ruins they, they inhabit. May the creditor seize all that he has. May strangers plunder the fruits of his toil. Stop there. Wow. Go back. So let his prayers be counted as sin. God, don't even hear them. Their words mean nothing to you. May his days be few. That's kind of self-explanatory. 
May another take his office. Remember that annoying neighbor, right, that you might have, right, that keeps cutting that one strip that you share of your lawn, you know, differently than you cut it, or that plays loud music? This is you yelling over them, I hope you get fired. Wow. And then we kind of ratchet it up. May your children be fatherless. Happy Father's Day. Uh, may your wife be a widow. May your children be beggars. This isn't just someone cutting David off by a chariot. This is not someone who's even complaining about his leadership. Let's be honest this morning. I've not done everything perfectly five years as your pastor. Some of you have taken issues with things that I've done, and we've had that conversation, right? But at no time have I ever said, when you left my office, no, right? May, may you lose your job. No, I'd lose my job if that was my mentality. Because at the end of the day, the things we deal with here as a church, compared to what David's dealing with, not, not at all the same. That is apples and orangutans. Very different. Because the people speaking into him right now are being evil. I don't believe that about any of you that have ever brought a concern or something to me or an elder or a council that you come from a place of being evil. Sure, we have our opinions, and that's all well and good. That's what makes this a wonderful body of Christ. We've not experienced this, dot, 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 yet. But don't you think we could? Don't you think as we continue to grow, not that we're reveling in that or taking any credit for it, but don't you think the target on our back's getting bigger? I do. I know your elders do. I know your deacons do. And we're doing our best to shield us as best we can. You don't believe that when we open that building that people are going to come for us? The community's excited. We have a list of community things that want to be used in there already. And it's not even open. But the minute that we widen the cause of Christ at 214 Ridge Road, the intersection of Ridge and Holman, Satan is going to attack. That's why I didn't gloss over this psalm. Because these kind of attacks are going to come. Let's continue. Let there be none to extend kindness to him, nor any to pity the fatherless children. May his prosperity be cut off. May his name be blotted out in the second generation. May the iniquity of the fathers be remembered, uh, be remembered before the Lord, and let not the sin of his mother be blotted out. Let them be before the Lord continually, that he may cut off the memory of them from the earth. Friends, this is heavy stuff. This is strong language. There's hostility here. Whew. Hostilities, I don't even think that does it justice. I don't even know what other wor word we would use. But this is the way the world fights. The thing that I don't want to ever happen is that this kind of fighting happens among each other. This is not the kind of fighting that Christians do. It's not. Now, as I just said that, you may be sitting in your seat and your stomach just kind of 
bound into itself because you've said things like this. Maybe not as eloquently as David or maybe as aggressive, but you have helped, held those feelings toward a brother or sister in the church. Heck, you may have held those feelings to the person you're sitting next to. That can't be. We can't say that we are Christ followers and want this for anybody else. And I'm going to make a right turn. We can't be followers of Christ and want this for anybody in the world. Even the heathen, right? Even the unbeliever. Because what kind of evangelism, what kind of witness are we being if we go to this depth of hostility and hatred for people that don't know Jesus. How do you think that goes? It doesn't go well. Hey, I hope you have no generations, but come and let me tell you about Jesus. Doesn't work. Hey, I don't really want you to be remembered ever in the world, but here, come, come be a part of Monster Church. Doesn't work. One of the things we need is a reconciliation. One of the things we need is when we have these feelings, and this is the hardest part, friends, and know that I'm speaking to myself first. It is hard to give these feelings of whatever, hatred, aggressiveness, anger, soul-crushing despair. It is so hard to give it to God and leave it with God. How many of you are good at giving things to the Lord? Raise your hand. Own it. Absolutely. We got to work on that. Not a lot of hands raised. I'm awesome. I'm one of the best at it. But five minutes later, guess what I'm doing? Uh, Jesus, I know I gave that to you, but I'm going to just, you got plenty on your plate, right? I'll even play the martyr. You got plenty on your plate, the whole world saving thing. I'm just going to keep this one. And the reason why is because I want control of my anger. I want to own how I'm going to respond. Because I know that I know that I know that if I give it to Jesus, he's going to ultimately smite him. Nope. He's going to ultimately take him out. Nope. He's going he's to ultimately let me step on their throat. Nope. He's going to ultimately make me forgive him. To drop the anger, the pride, the idol of the pound of flesh that we hold in our everyday life. He's going to look at me. He's going to look at you and say, I have forgiven you. So you ought to forgive. Man, he's right. Man, I'm angry about that. Because ultimately, we knew that's what he was going to say. And so many of us could easily drop minutes, hours, days, months, years of holding on to that pound of flesh if we just realize who we are in Jesus and what Jesus calls us to. That's what this psalm is about. Let's jump to our next set of scripture. Help me, O Lord my God. Save me according to your steadfast love. Let them know that this is your hand. You, O Lord, have done it. Let them curse, but you will 
bless. The world. Friends, it's not going to be easier to be a believer in the world. It's not. It's one of the reasons why we have Munster Church. To encourage one another. To teach. To grow together. To show the world together. So we don't have to do it on our own. What the world what the world should see about the love of Jesus. That doesn't mean we don't have truth. That doesn't mean there aren't somewhat lines in the sand. But in our love, in our compassion, in our service, we show one thing, that we've been forgiven. Save me according to your steadfast love. It's okay in your anger if you can't say right now, Lord, save them. Having these conversations with God, right, isn't the unforgivable sin. Lord, I just really wish they would go away forever and ever. Amen. It's not a sin to pray that prayer. It's a sin to tell that to other people. It's a sin to tell that to that person. John, brother, I love you, but you wronged me, and I hope you go away forever and ever. Why don't you come over for a beer? That doesn't work. No, that's supposed to be in our heart, in our depths with God, because God's the only one that can handle the depth of that, the, the, the drama we create in ourselves. That's why David pleads, help me. He knows this isn't right. He knows he's struggling. This isn't how he's supposed to feel. Help me, O oh Lord. Save me, he says. And he continues. No, he doesn't. Never mind, that's it. No, yeah, there we go. They arise and are put to shame, but your servant will be glad. May your accusers be clothed in dishonor, and may they be wrapped in their own shame as in a cloak. Here's that really uh, kind of right turn resolve. When we pray these things, and when the truth comes out, Friends, we can still lose our religion. We may pray, we may stand, the truth may come out, and the people against us, it is exposed that they are against us. It is exposed that they are lying. It is exposed that they are falsely accusing. It is exposed that they are evil. It is exposed that everything they're doing is wrong. For those of us that have the opportunity to work through things like that, where we get to see that the evil exposed on the other side, we still have a response. Is our response to just kick them while they're down? That's right. Jim won, you nothing. No. That God's the one doing it. So we give glory back to God. That if God does deliver you from these feelings and God brings around reconciliation from whatever the situation is, do not, do not take credit for it. Do not do that. Because in turn, you become the other side in your pride. Pride's not a good thing, friends. Pride's called out all day, every day. I don't care what kind of pride it is. It's, it can be turned bad real fast. But one of the things I love about King David, 
He keeps that with the Lord, and he keeps it with the Lord. But then what happens when the situation's resolved itself, and you now have to come face to face with that person? Does it mean you have to become BFFs again? No. Does it mean you need to share Christmas cards? No. It means you do have to recognize them as a creation of God. You need to treat them the way you would want to be treated. Just because they've done evil, right? And if it's been redeemed, if it's been resolved, you don't get to still treat them as evil. And that's a really hard thing and a whole nother sermon. But on this day, when we have those feelings, when our soul is being crushed by the world, understand one simple truth. The world has never, will never have ownership of your soul. That's never been on the table. God did not create you. God did not create me and barter your soul to the world. Why in the world would God create you in his image and say, ah, but the world, you can have it. No. This is where our wonderful Father, remember this on this Father's Day, always will protect us. It might not feel like it on the earth, but when we get to be with him in heaven, all this other stuff doesn't matter. So remember whose you are in the midst of conflict. Remember who you belong to when you have these feelings. And remember, he's with you as you learn to walk it out for his glory. Let's pray. Father, these words are tough. So often we don't want to think people can hurt us, but they can. The church can hurt us. Christians can hurt us. Lord, but you love us. You redeem us. You care for us. Doesn't mean we're never going to feel that hurt and that pain, but you will restore us in this life or you ultimately will in the next. So Father, be with us as we walk through these conflicts. If there's someone here today that has this level of conflict in their soul, Father, may you bring people around them to see it through the start of reconciliation because you are our reconciliation. And for that, we thank you and we love you. And we pray this in your holy name. Amen. Please stand if you are able. Next week's psalm is not as heavy, I guarantee it. But go into this week in fathers, grandfathers, uncles, spiritual fathers, mentors, happy Father's Day. And may the Lord, our good, good Father, bless you and keep you. Make his face shine on you. Be gracious unto you. Lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace, which always passes our understanding. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.